Welcome to Fresh Off the Plane with Hannah Smith. Let's get fresh. All right, we have the one and only Ian Jones here from Placerville, California, my hometown. And we went to Sonoma State University together and he now lives and works in Japan. So welcome, Ian. Hi, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's really nice to talk to you. It's amazing. I know it's all. And all those things that you said me. were true. Those were all true facts. <laughs> facts so far. We're sticking yeah. to the facts on this yeah. podcast. And I like to believe that you went to Japan because I went to Asia prior and I was inspiration to you, but that's probably not the reason. If you want to tell us why you decided to move to Japan. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you can edit this part out and just, you know, I'll give you the clip where I say like, yes, that's exactly the reason, Anna. you have been my inspiration. You uh, have been my idol for years. For everything that I do. So that you can clip that. Um, okay. But uh, no, um, you know, to, to be to be honest, uh, when you were when we were both in college, I do remember you uh, going abroad to Sweden. <clears throat> yes. Which, uh, you know, it was kind of one of those things where, um, and I think I heard this on your your last podcast, where you, you you sort of you don't know that these things are possible until suddenly someone you know does it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh. I guess I could just go study abroad or I could go, you know, um, you know, travel or, or do something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and sort of outside of the norm. Um, and, and so the reason I, you know, the reason I bring the norm up is that originally I had intended in college to go to Europe. And I remember like, I was, I, I, I you know, it was my money, but I wanted to like sell it to my parents for some reason, you know, I, I think I'm still in that. We're like, used to that. We're still kind of kids. <laughs> yeah. And um, I had planned out this whole thing. I made like a slideshow. And, oh, and wow. uh, yeah, it was, I was pretty impressive. Um, and, uh, you know, I had it down to the day and the hour and like train stops and everything. I re really worked hard on it. And I was like, this is going to be great. I'm going to go to all these places in Europe. And then this I thought about it. for a summer it. trip that you wanted to this do? Is for a summer trip. Yeah, okay. originally. And, and okay. this will sort of feed into how I ended up in Japan was that um, I took it and I showed it to my dad and he was like yeah this this looks great but like is this what you want to do like why don't you I mean do you really want to go here this seems like all the places that everybody so you just questioned all your work <laughs> very but very like I don't know how to say it. it was not it was not mean it was just very like he was like oh, okay I mean like but is this what you want? Like, this seems like you worked on it. <laughs> like, do you want to do something fun? And I was like, mm -hmm. yeah. And so at the last minute, I just took the budget and shifted it all towards Japan with zero plans. Oh, wow. um, and so and when, I when he said that to you, was it, were you giving off a vibe of like, you kind of just planning what you thought you should be doing in a trip or how did yeah. you really see that you didn't want to do that? I think, I think that what he did, what he picked up on was that, you know, I was focused on, on creating something that fits some sort of a template. Yeah. And then I just, I, I, I went to Japan and, and, um, I landed with no place to stay, figured it all out when I got there. And it was an awesome, uh, couple of weeks. And then later I ended up, you know, I never thought I would go back to be honest. And then later I ended up going back in law school, um, mm -hmm. another random circumstance, and then, uh, and that was sort I don't of think I realized on. you went there twice before you decided to live there. So you had traveled yeah. there twice. Okay. Yeah. The first time, the first time was, so I think I was 19. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a pretty, I mean, pretty wild adventure when I was 19 in Japan. I'm uh, sure. By myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, actually very, I mean, very like, you know, very G rated, but it was just like, it was just like very, uh, I found myself in all sorts of really exciting situations. Um, it's all an adventure that, when you're 19. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, I, I snuck into, uh, um, I snuck into like the, the world's sake, sake tasting like festival. Oh, that and you're not cool. allowed. I was, I was underage, but I pretended to be a journalist. Um, and they assigned what? me my own personal like docent and translator to walk around. Because I told them I was from only wine you country, would have California. that confidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, I'm a journalist. I'm I look like I'm 15. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
they they bought it and um and the, my favorite part of that story is i was walking around tasting and uh i kept drinking it like swallowing you know because i was because i was 19 i was like oh yeah i'm drinking underage <laughs> and um the at one point the the translator who's been really kind and he's explaining like the history of each thing to me and you know why this is you know mm-hmm. a higher grade uh, alcohol than the other one he, he, he turns to me he goes you know you can you can spit it out <laughs> and i just and i with with no sense of you know how ridiculous this sounded i just said this is just how we do it in america <laughs> that's actually a very american answer just yeah a coffee he, american. Loved he loved it though he thought it was he thought it was great he started laughing and um you know i did start spitting some of them out after that because i was like okay i can't keep bombing sake like the level this. of professionalism here <laughs> yeah well i ended up making a lot of friends there and they gave me like 15 bottles of like really expensive sake oh like I, I i became friends with one of the owners of one of the breweries this explains why you moved there yeah yeah <laughs> it's all um, I, I, I compl- i've since lost all contact with every <laughs> everyone in, in the story short friendships yeah well, but yeah, then I, okay. I went back in, I went back in law school to study abroad in my second year of law school years and years later. Um, again, just sort of a weird coincidence. Um, it, it happened to be, I was walking down the hall and like the poster fell off the hall wall mm-hmm. and I picked it up and I was like, oh, cool. I can, I can sign up for this real quick. It's like in a movie. Like what's this? Yeah, it was, the, <laughs> it was the last day of, uh, of uh, uh, them accepting applications and oh, wow. It would have been impossible, except that I had a friend who just moved across the country and happened to be working in a building across the street from where they needed to submit the applications. So I faxed it to her and she walked it across the street. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it was like the stars kind of aligned. (laughs) And fax machines. I didn't even know they still were doing things like that, (laughs) changing lives. Fax machines are still the thing in Japan. They are really, the, uh, yeah, the, the the hot commodity. Do you use them a lot at work? I don't, um, but um, well, to give you an example, the I'm not sure if you're familiar. There was a pandemic recently. Haven't uh, heard of it. Yeah, I've heard uh, of the in, panini. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in Japan, um, in order to account for cases in the first, I don't know, nine, ten months of it. Um, there was the doctors who recorded the case, you know, the infection, they would have to then create a one sheet and fax that per each patient that was infected to one of two fax machines in the government office. And that's how they recorded the cases. And and I thought Japan was a little more high tech than that. A lot of people do. Um, (laughs) and, um, yeah, you'd be, you'd be wrong. Um, (laughs) good to know. They were super advanced in the eighties. Um, and that's sort of where it peaked. Oh dear. Okay. <laughs> Japan's a very much, a, I mean, there are still, of course, new technologies, but Japan's very much a country yeah. of, if it's not broken, let's not fix it. Um, so you don't feel as though they're way ahead of the States technology wise. Cause I just assume, cause I know from living in Taiwan and Korea, I felt like there was so much more convenience <laughs> through technology, but do you feel like it's like that in Japan? No, no. I think, I think that <laughs> Japan yeah, I, I, like Korea and Taiwan, I agree, I think are, are much more, they, they have a lot of like, yeah, convenient technology, I think is the way to put it. Japan has some of that, um, but I think Japan, where I would say they excel is more in terms of infrastructure. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so the trains are always on time, mm-hmm. the streets are always clean, the roads don't have holes in them. Um, yeah you know, those kinds of things. Um, and, and uh, you know, general quality of life is quite high. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> in terms of things like, you know, uh, high-tech gadgetry, that doesn't mm-hmm. really, that doesn't really come into play. People still have flip phones here, mm-hmm. a lot of people. Oh, wow. Because it really is the stereotype. I feel like, especially when I'm teaching my first grade class and we look at anything about Japan, it's always some kind of pictures of a robot or something to do with technology. So I think it's really put out there like Japan is the land of all this new tech. But... Yeah, it's really strange because they, they do have robots um, mm-hmm. in the stores sometimes that I'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, you know, but they're, they're, they're completely, they're just like animatronic. They're not real, like, mm -hmm. they don't do anything. They just, they just look Im impressive, I guess. That is a bit 80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's very much like that. But I, I, w I went to Singapore for a business trip. I, I used to go mm -hmm. a lot um, and before the, um, the world changed. Yeah. And I, the, the, there was a hotel I would stay in and it would have like, there was like a robot that would like move around the hotel and it was like, it was doing like cleaning and deliveries and like you could like push wow. a button on it and it would go and get something for you like that I was kind of amazed by and I expected like yeah. that's what I thought of when I came to Japan like oh we're gonna have that kind of stuff yes but uh no no it did, I only went to Osaka and Kyoto but um I did almost feel like there was like a 70s 80s vibe <laughs> a lot of places yeah. that I went yeah yeah big time the 80s I mean it was popping off in the eighties and um, a lot of people don't want to, don't want that drink. Oh, they don't want the eighties to, to go away. Yeah. I see yeah. that. Well, you talked about the high quality of living. So does that kind of go hand in hand with the high cost of living? Cause I've always heard that it's pretty expensive in Japan compared to other places in Asia. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's one that I really struggle with. I think it's actually not that bad. Okay. Um, so and you're in, in Tokyo, of, so that should be one of the more expensive areas. Right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I should have clarified. I'm in Tokyo proper, and I'm actually in one of the more expensive areas of Tokyo. Okay. Um, you know, so like when I tell people that I work with, like, oh yeah, I live in Meijiro, they're like, oh wow, <laughs> so nice. And I'm just like, yeah, I mean, it's okay. Um, it is extremely nice, but mm -hmm. the cost, I'd say, like, I'm probably paying around, uh, f well, fourteen, fifteen hundred bucks a month for the place that we we have which is like a three bedroom with a living room downstairs and a kitchen oh, yeah. you know, a very large kitchen we have a huge that's room. not bad especially no, I, mean, no, I compare with california prices yeah i think san but... francisco is like you know i think that the the, the, the the you you would imagine that san francisco and tokyo are somewhat comparable in terms of like mm -hmm. density and like scarcity of housing um, and I, my impression from my friends in San Francisco is that it is like a hundred times worse in terms of cost, scarcity, everything. Like, well, I think San Francisco now is just beyond anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So it's, it's quite, you know, that it's is reasonable. cheaper than I thought though. Cause I mean, here in Midtown so, Sacramento, it's, it would be more than that. I think three that I, I think that if I was paying, so I, I should qualify that by saying if I was paying full price, um, which ah. I'm not because this is what uh, trickery. What trickery have you done now? Well, have I'm you pretended stealing. to be? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's my in-laws. Uh, they own this this building. Okay, you know that is something good to know. Yeah. When it comes now, to cost, but, of I, but I do know I do know the market uh, okay. price for other units in this building, and it's uh -huh. I think this one would probably like at the high end be maybe twenty two hundred a month. Okay. Yeah. Which is still, in terms of my budget, well within. And then with transportation and, and food, are you spending a lot there as well? Or is that... Yeah, so food is expensive, okay. for ah. sure. Um, that's where the, the most of the cost comes in, I think. You know, okay. I'll go to the store and... Uh, so occasionally I'll have people over for burgers. I'll make barbecue. Mm -hmm. barbecue and it's like, so American like, of you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm just trying to to show people the right way to live, you know, the American way. Um, so, so uh, of course I'm joking, but yeah, I, I, I bring in the, if you don't know the, Ian, <laughs> he's, the, the, he's a jokester. <laughs> <laughs> people love it. Um, so the, uh, yeah, the burger materials, like just mm -hmm. like buns, meat, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it could be like 50, $60 for like four or five Jeez. people. Um, well, and see, I wasn't even thinking groceries. I was just thinking, cause I only ate out when I went there, but even like I went oh, into a out. tiny noodle shop and I was all excited coming from Korea where it's so cheap to eat out. Like I'm going to get some ramen and it was like $25. I was like, what? <laughs> so that, that can go both ways. You can find like, like the places that you most tourists will probably go are going to be pretty expensive. Um, but you can find similar quality, uh, mm -hmm. you know, cause that's the thing too, that's nice about Tokyo. Like the tourist places are pretty good, you know, to yeah. be honest, it's not like a trap and like the, 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 the pricing is okay considering the value, um, and the quality, but the, the, uh, there are places that you can get really cheap lunch. Like 
Okay. You have when to I know to work someone in the that office, knows. Yeah, we would go out all the time and you'd go to these places that were like a thousand yen, which is like 10 bucks, less than 10 mm-hmm. bucks, you know, with the uh, exchange rate. And, um, you know, you're getting like a full like Chinese like lunch, you know, with That's like you know, uh, noodles and, you know, a ramen type thing. And it was great. Um, I thought I did well because it was like this older lady in this tiny little place. And I was like, this is so local. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, it might, if it was in Kyoto or Osaka, they're also, they, they jack their prices way up. Yeah, with all the tourists um, there. They're like food cities. Um, yeah, I, then, I hadn't uh, strayed too far from where everyone was. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, and then dinners, that's the other thing. Drinking can be really cheap. Ah, so I mean, there's a big drinking culture there that I'm aware of. So is that why maybe the drinking culture is so huge? Because that's a cheap thing to do. I think it's, it's a combination of factors. Um, You know, one thing is that the drinking culture is, as you said, it's, it's massive. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like everyone drinks. Um, I've been to you know, because that's essentially the offices, especially in the traditional Japanese companies, like the company I work, mm-hmm. um, are very sort of stuffy and, you know, um, uh, I guess strict is the closest word. Um, so okay. there's not a lot of flexibility. You know, you show up, the bell, there's literally a bell that rings at 845. Mm. Wow. And like, if you're not in your seat, like people are like, he's probably dead. Um, like school. and then there's a bell that rings at lunchtime at 12 and that's when wow. you get to go and eat your lunch and you better be back before the bell rings to signal that lunch is over there's that 80s stuff because i swear i've seen old movies like in japan where there was bells ringing <laughs> opposite. Mm-hmm. and then um but at, at the end of the day the last bell 5 15 you know usually everybody works overtime in japan mm-hmm. that's pretty common um but at my company it's a little bit less uh, aggressive in terms of the overtime work, but yeah. you start to see everyone like kind of starting to loosen up a little bit around five fifteen, and like people will start. People who haven't spoken a word all day will just like suddenly start going over and like talking to each other, and that's usually them setting up to go out and get drinks, and, mm-hmm. and that's where the managers, the staff, everyone kind of not quite becomes equal. I think like managers okay. and the the staff are equal, but then like the higher level managers, they're still mm-hmm. like kind of you know, on top, okay. but that you can talk to them. And so that's, it's a big thing. They call it a nomikai. It's like, it's like a drinking meeting. Mm. And so that's where a lot of, a lot of the like unofficial business gets done and where you, you sort of push things through. So it's, it's a really important part of Japanese culture. The problem is that, you know, um, I'm not sure, I'm sure you're familiar with this, but you know, the, the Asian glow, which is where, <laughs> yes. um, you know, the informal name. I don't know what the the, the scientific description the is, but it's either. a real thing. <laughs> yes. There's a there for for it's more common in Asia. There's there are more people born with like it's their liver doesn't produce a certain enzyme, and so they get mm-hmm. really sick when they drink. Ugh. And I've been at these meetings where they like force these guys to drink. And I've seen people turn colors that I didn't think humans could turn. Oh gosh, like purple. Yeah, some of them like, get really red. Like, are you it's okay? Scary. Yeah, but they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Uh, you know, I want to be a part of this. And I'm like, is this a part of like succeeding in your job? Like if I was someone that worked with you and I didn't go to these or I didn't really drink, would I be doing poorly in my position? Uh, so yeah, you could, it could have, a, it could have that effect. Yeah. My, my, my welcome party to the company, they, they took me out and I learned very quickly that the express goal was to get me blackout drunk. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that until the next day, or I mean, not even then, like like several days later, because I was coming from America and I did get blackout drunk because the head <laughs> of the entire, you know, international legal department sat across from me and he was just like feeding me drinks the whole night and you can't say mm-hmm. no. Yeah. Yeah, because it's very, it also didn't work respect- out for him. you need to be respectful by saying yes to drinks. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was mortified. Because I, I sort of, what happened to me was I came to like in the middle of the street and at one point, you know, so, so I don't know, I I remember sort of going and then I remember we went from one place to another and then it's like complete blank. And then, um, I was just like, suddenly I'm just in the street somewhere in Tokyo and I don't have my phone, my wallet, my jacket, like I lost everything. 
and I was like, oh my God. And I just, I was just like going up to people and like in my really, you know, terrible Japanese at the time saying like, Koko wa doko desu ka? And it's like, means like, here is where? Here is where? <laughs> so like, <laughs> I wouldn't really know what you meant by that. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was so, like, I felt here so bad. Because this lady was just, I remember, very, that's one of the things I remember. It's like this, this woman was like walking down the street. She's like the only person I saw. So like from her perspective, this giant 6'5", like clearly inebriated person just <laughs> bolts across the street, like straight for her because I'm desperate for help. I'm like, here's where, here's where. And she's just like, uh. <laughs> like he is crazy. Yeah, she's like, oh, this is, can't trust these foreigners. See, and in the States, I feel like that could be a pretty embarrassing thing, but that's normal oh, for yeah businesses in some of these yeah, Asian they, countries. The 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 story you know that that was what I found out later because like I came to work on Monday and everyone was a little you know cagey about it. Yeah. And I thought like oh no I'm you know I'm there you know I I've, I've embarrassed myself. It turns out one of my coworkers yeah. like he got all my stuff like he saw that I was gone and so he just grabbed oh, all good. my stuff for me which was really sweet. Mm -hmm. Um, and but I found out that they weren't being cagey because of me. Mm -hmm. It was because when the the head of the entire department was going shot for shot with me. He went past his limit, oh. and um, apparently they had to like roll him out of <laughs> the building. Like I was oh gone by gosh. that. So they apparently had to like, yeah, like horizontally sort of roll him out onto the street and get him into a taxi. That's such and a so bonding everyone... thing, though. Like I feel like if you hadn't gotten blackout drunk, they would have been like, "Well, he's okay." But <laughs> Because mm -hmm. of that, they're like, we love him. Yeah, yeah, which <laughs> He's is a part of the team. You know, it's nice, but it's also uh, horrible because it's not good for you. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a pressure because I remember in Korea, it was to show respect, like with my principal when I was teaching there, you're supposed to bring shots over to him and you have to take one with him. You have yep. to do this like several times through the dinner. And I, even though I was younger, like I was not a big, let's take shots all the time, especially with coworkers. That's not something I was used to being the only yeah. foreigner. So it was very uncomfortable. <laughs> but I was like, all right, I've had a bunch of shots at dinner with people I teach with. That doesn't happen here. You don't, I don't ever drink with people at my school now. Yeah. Especially not at like <laughs> seven on a Wednesday, you know, I no. mean. Or during, we have like a sports day. The kids are doing sports games and we're drinking soju. Like, oh, nice. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's being part of, I mean, that's a lot of those Asian cultures, like a, a we instead of an I, like we're all together. We do this together. Yep. And yeah, it is. Me. I mean, it's fun at the time. It's really nice. You know, if you, if you put aside the fact that it's extremely unhealthy, um, yes. it's, it's really, you know, if, if it wasn't so unhealthy, it would be totally enjoyable and fun Yeah. Uh, without any consequence because it is really usually mm -hmm. pretty wholesome, you know, um, Nothing gets yeah. too crazy, uh, but uh, yeah, it's weird. So it's, it's a weird one. Well, it might be like in uh, Korea, there was a site called Blackout Korea, where it would just be pictures of businessmen like passed out in the streets. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's where it's like, it really becomes a lifestyle almost. And people are just, it's normal as people passed out drunk everywhere. Is it like that in Japan? Like it's not oh, yeah. embarrassing if you're passed out somewhere like after work? Yeah. So yeah, totally. It's exactly the same. Um, yeah. uh, the first time I, I realized what it was, was when it was really early on when I moved here, like, uh, so maybe six years ago. And, um, I saw this woman in a train station and she was just a mess, um, uh, mm -hmm. like in really bad shape. She was very clearly super drunk. Mm -hmm. Um, she had like, you know, cans in her hands and she was like spilling and stumbling around and, oh, um, creating a huge mess and everything and and i saw the police coming and i was like oh no she's gonna go to jail and all they did was form like a barrier around her so that like people wouldn't like bother her which was it was so it was so sweet yeah yeah and i was like and i, I remember i asked my friends like oh no is she gonna get in trouble and they're like no it's not like why she's not doing anything illegal you know it's like she it's, it's not illegal yeah. to be drunk in public you know yeah, it's, it's not really a, an issue for the police. <laughs> yeah, it's perfectly fine if you get, you know, I mean, you know, people will make fun of you, 
I'm sure, like your <laughs> yes. friends, but it's like most of the time, if you're at that stage, you've probably lost contact with your friends. <laughs> I don't know why I think that's just the sweetest story. Like if I was really drunk and a bunch of cops just were like, oh, we're protecting adorable. you, I'd be like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. She, she did not respond in that way, but it's oh, that. <laughs> no. oh, I think no. she was a little bit confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in a drunk brain, that also could be very yeah, scary. <laughs> but it was it was pretty uh, it was pretty adorable. Uh, and we we sat down at a cafe nearby and just sort of watched it. And yeah, they just they just waited until she sort of collected herself, and then they helped her, and she left. Well, on uh, this note, I wanted to ask you some of the strangest things you've experienced in Japan because it's another stereotype oh, yeah. is just like Japan is weird. <laughs> Like, like when I want to go there, I want to do strange things. Does it feel like when you go yeah. to Japan, you have to have a strange experience? So you can maybe share a couple of your favorite strange Japan experiences. Yeah, you know, it's a really, it's a question I get asked uh, often. And it's a really difficult question to answer uh, succinctly because there are so many strange things. Um, but I would say, you know, I would preface this by saying that for the most part, I think that people coming to Japan with an expectation that it's going to be, you know, uh, incredibly strange or, um, you know, very, you know, very like anime friendly mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever that word is uh, that describes the people who love like. Um, I would Japanese not animation. know. <laughs> I would not know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's. Um, it's it's not like that you know you're going to be disappointed because for the most part it's just you know everybody wearing the same color suit it's very buttoned up you know especially in tokyo um and uh well thanks ian yeah guys don't go uh it's boring yeah. so yeah now that being said <laughs> you can find those things but i often see people getting off like some of the strangest things i've ever seen in japan are foreigners doing things because I think that they thought it was going to be acceptable. You know, like you, I've seen people get off the plane because I used to fly all the time for work here. Mm -hmm. So I was in and out of the, the international terminal because they would fly me to India and Singapore and Thailand all the time. Wow. And um, I would see foreigners like get off the plane in like full cosplay, sort of like oh expecting like this is like this is where I'll be accepted. And it's like you immediately real you see them sort of their faces drop because they realize, oh, no, it's just a, it's like <laughs> these are just people like everywhere else. Yeah. And you know, um, I'm sure there's every, areas for that, but yeah, it's not like you're gonna even, just even get off areas, into an anime. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty even in those areas. It's mostly like you know people who want to read the books or whatever. Yeah. You know, but mm -hmm. that being said, um, I have seen some pretty strange things. Um, mm -hmm. Since we were talking about drinking, I'll tell you, chief among <laughs> them, strange one of the strangest things I've ever seen was not. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't so much strange in the sense of this is a weird thing that happened because it was in Japan. Mm -hmm. But I was watching, I was walking, I was on the train home and, um, you know, it was, it was around 10, 11 at night uh, and I was coming back from work and I, we stopped at a station and one of the things that the Japanese trains are really bad at is sort of accessibility. Hmm. So they don't, they're... <laughs> There's often are stops where there's a huge gap oh, between the 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 you know the entry to the car and the platform. Yeah, and that's surprising. So <laughs> I saw these three drunk guys walking towards the train, and they had they were sort of arm in arm, right? So walking mm -hmm. all three in a in a uh, you know linked arms together, and the, the center guy was really drunk. And I remember I looked at I looked at them. I saw them about to get on the train. I turned away. I looked back, and the middle guy had just disappeared. <laughs> and I was like, "What?" And I and I looked down just at the moment to catch him slipping through the gap, like oh. the last bit of him. You know, he, he sort of he sort of like bounced through the the oh gap. Oh my gosh! He had just fallen and straight down onto the tracks in between the train and the platform. And it was the it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. And then everyone just reached down and grabbed him and pulled him up um, really fast and got on. And then like everyone pretended like nothing happened. 
<laughs> and I was like, this guy almost died. <laughs> like, <laughs> that can't be the first time that's happened. No, I think it has. I think, and I think that was like, why everyone reacted so smoothly. They were like, oh, here's another one. And I'm like, oh how are God. people not dying on this thing every night? I would uh, think they would have it a little safer set up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen lots of people passed out drunk. Um, I've been to uh, some of the, the weirder, like, uh, shows like um there's a really popular show in shinjuku that's really famous um that i'd never been to actually but some a tourist came and visited and i was showing them around and wanted to see it, the robot show oh that is wild um what do they do but, in the robot show what they do is and i and i i can't stress this enough it is not japanese it is like okay. <laughs> there's very little that is japanese about it um but it is a wild spectacle of like these sort of giant costumes that they create and there's like fire and smoke bombs and it's all indoors and there's like a light show um and it's just it's just a very interesting experience i don't I, you know I, I think i think people can can look that one up that's that's it's strange um, is it actual robots in the show no they just dress like robots <laughs> <What>? <laughs> and they're dancers <laughs> that is yeah. very weird sounding <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i've been to tokyo disney several times which is weird um, oh, that would be cool yeah so i i've i've been to disney sea so there's tokyo disneyland and okay. tokyo disney sea as in ocean um sea what do they have at and disney sea park is sort of reminiscent of like california adventure and it's more adult mm -hmm. themed um and uh very weird to to see like you know, Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and Goofy all like spouting like rapid fire Japanese at, at each other. <laughs> um, now that you've been in Japan, you said about six years. Yeah. And uh, you're also married to a Japanese woman. And am I allowed to say that you're expecting a child? Well, you've said it now. Uh, <laughs> I can cut it out. I'm gonna I can edit this podcast. I, so first of all, I talk, I, my producers told your producers not to bring this up. They explicitly said, and I didn't want to be a part of this gotcha journey. I thought I, thought I could just force you yeah, into yeah, talking yeah, about no, it. <laughs> no, it's totally, uh, it's, it's um, you know, it's becoming, it's on it's the becoming record. harder and harder to hide. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping that, that we could have the baby. That you're so, pregnant. Yeah, I, was, I wanted like a, like a uh, you know, blanket type situation where, you know, you keep the baby from the world and everyone just has to wonder. Um, but yes, you have, you have roots in Japan yeah. now, so... How are you thinking that you guys will be in Japan for a long time, come back to the States at some point, or is that something that you ever really think about? Yeah, you know, that comes up uh, every once in a while. Um, so, you know, short to midterm, no. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. we've, we've, we're not going back to the States, for sure not back to the States. Um, mm -hmm. And, um, but we'll probably stay in Japan. I don't think there's really anywhere yeah. that we're going to move especially when the kid is i say kid we don't know if it's a boy or a girl so yes. you know um, but when when the baby well, it's is, not easy to be moving around when you have a young child yeah <laughs> yeah um you know and and the thing is long term you know i guess because it's it's not that different here and there's a lot of convenience here like i don't have to drive mm -hmm. a car you know i don't yeah. I, I never have to drive i haven't driven ever in tokyo I miss that. Um, or Japan, <laughs> for that matter. Um, and uh, and it's never been a problem. It's never been something mm -hmm. like, oh, shoot, I wish I had a car today. Yeah. Um, and I love that. Um, you know, the trains are here. Everything's very convenient. If I need something, like if I really need something, I can, you know, I can get it pretty much within, mm -hmm. you know, an hour, yeah. uh, regardless of what it is. So, so giving up that kind of, a, you know, that kind of convenience, um, I think is going to be really tough. And um, frankly, you know, if you'd asked me this question at the time I was leaving the U.S., I think I would have said, mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'll probably come back. But yeah. since I've left the U.S., I left before Donald Trump was even considered a serious candidate. Mm -hmm. And I don't recognize the United States now. I guess that was one of the strangest yeah. things that I experienced in Japan. Seeing your country just changing. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, I was abroad for so long, and then I came home just in time for all of that. And it's yeah, been rough. <laughs> it blows my mind. Um, 
but that that was interesting yeah we watched that the whole office the whole japanese office uh stopped to watch that wow. like so it was like the middle of the day for us and we were like you know refreshing and clicking the link and everyone mm-hmm. was kind of like silent and watching this i was surprised to see how involved they were but, what was uh, their opinion on donald trump uh most people were shocked mm-hmm. um you know i think i think the general consensus from just about everyone that i've ever talked to mm-hmm. japan or you know anywhere else is that he just seems too stupid to have won won the election. Yeah. Um, you know, I, you know whether or not he actually is. It's just that the, the perception of him, it just seemed like a joke. You know, it's like yeah, the, the, I'm, I'm talking about about before he was president. You know, after he mm-hmm. became president, I guess you know people's people's uh, opinions can change. Although he came to Japan and embarrassed himself here. No, um, what did he do in Japan? Oh God, um, he he took so they, Abe, who is also not the smartest guy. Mm-hmm. um took him to i think the imperial uh koi pond and mm-hmm. like they were like supposed to feed the koi fish mm-hmm. and trump just like dumped it out like it was just so obvious that he didn't even take the, the the bare minimum in terms of effort to learn what you're supposed to do yeah so he just sort of like it just sounds like he didn't care fish food <laughs> and then just dumped it like and it, it was just it, it's not so much that it was like you know dishonorable or disrespectful or anything like that it just it just looked dumb (laughs) it was that was more the the issue is it looked really stupid i mean Um, i could just see it as just being rude really (laughs) right because i I mean i know going to another country and i'm obviously not a politician but it's just like i always feel like i want to be so respectful of like what should i be doing is this right to do here yeah. Which obviously it's not something he worries so much about. <laughs> no, no, he tends to it seems, at least from what I've seen, his mm-hmm. his focus when it comes to like really caring and taking respect and, and being enamored with people, it tends to be dictators. Um so <laughs> well, is, <laughs> that's, that's think, a separate topic. Yeah, we could go off on that. Um politi- is politics one of the main reasons that you think you wouldn't return to the US or you just think I mean, Japan is your home now, and do you think it's just best for raising a family in Japan, or? Well, so, yeah, and that's a great question. You know, politics is not necessarily the main, main reason. I mean, there's a few things that I really like about Japan that don't exist in the U.S. One is there's not gun, there's no guns here, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, growing up in, in, a, in, a, in gun country, mm-hmm. um, it's not that I'm afraid of guns, um, you know, quite the opposite. I, I think they're interesting and, you know, could, could be fun in controlled circumstances, but mm-hmm. I very much like living in a society where I don't ever have to worry about, yes. you know, at night or whatever, you know, it's very safe here. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are generally very kind and courteous, um, you know, which is, it's just nice. It's just a nice mm-hmm. place to live. So for a kid, that's, that's, I think, really important. The concern I have is the educational system, mm-hmm. which is that Japanese education, from my perspective, tends to be heavily focused on test taking. Yeah, um, yes, very stressful. I, it's crazy. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they, like, they, 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 there's these kids who are like eight and nine years old who are taking after hours, um, they call it cram school. I'm sure mm-hmm. they have the same thing in Yeah, Korea. they have it in Korea and Taiwan to prepare for a test to get into like middle school mm-hmm. and it's like first of all the quality of the education i think again at a at a base level is good they they have you know most people have basic understanding of basic principles of most you know a lot of things that i think most american students don't yeah um but the critical thinking is just horrible like i i, I yeah. i've been really disappointed you know, and, that, and that's something that I think when we talk about strange things, I guess, is work culture here is very mm-hmm. strange to me um, because there's a complete and total lack of critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's always, we should do this because this is how it was done before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, irrespective of any change in circumstance, irrespective of, you know, uh, you know whether or not someone has a new idea for how to how to do it or whether or not it failed in the past Mm -hmm. you know this is the answer let's get to the answer um instead of 
you know, let's think about why this is the answer. I'm sure I would imagine this is in Korea too. People stop at uh, crosswalks when they're red, like mm-hmm. the the you know that says like don't cross. Yes. At midnight when there's no cars around, <laughs> and they'll wait for it to following turn the green. rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah it's it can be frustrating because just teaching uh, in Korea and Taiwan, when I would try to get my students to be super creative, it could really be a struggle, like thinking outside the box. They were so brilliant. Like when I teach in the States, we really are behind in education, but I feel like my students have more of a childhood. They're happier. Um, Maybe not not as bright sometimes, but (laughs) they're having a great time and they're very creative. But then my students in Asia, were getting like great scores, but they were super stressed out, like crying to me about their stress, always doing homework, not having a childhood. So it's kind of, there's a trade-off. And kids, kids in the U.S., I think, you know, the, the, I think it's often criticized that, you know, kids in the U.S. are encouraged regardless of failure, you know, the, the sort of mm-hmm. the participation awards and all that kind of stuff. But yes, that, that has actual value in the sense mm-hmm. that, um if you don't encourage people regardless of their success or failure if you if you if you instead focus only on success and not on effort or you know output um what you end up with is is i think you know like a lot of the offices in japan where no one and no one wants to take a risk because there's no benefit if they take a risk and they succeed you know no one really cares because um they're just going to go back to the old way of doing things or, you know, especially in the work culture here, that, that's crazy. I'll tell you. Okay, sorry. That's, we got a, we got a crazy, crazy Japan story. If you join, when you join a company here, the traditional Japanese company, you join in typically, and again, this is, so I'm, you know, speaking very generally here, this is not true for all companies, but mm-hmm. a lot of the traditional Japanese companies, you'll join in as a freshman, kind of like in college. And regardless of what you studied in college, you're just going to be sort of placed in a department. So you might have studied like human resources or, or sociology or something. Okay. And they go, well, we need somebody in IT. So you're going to the IT department. So we have these people in the oh. IT department who have no idea what they're doing. But the thing oh. is, is you're safe. You're never going to be fired. Uh-huh. So, so you, you're set on these, you, you, you're safe, you're hired, you're going to be in this company probably until the day you die or the day you decide uh-huh. to leave. Uh-huh. Um, but at the same time, your promotion path is essentially a set line. So it doesn't matter if you do well or if you do poorly. You're just going to be huh. yeah, moving up at this very, you know, stable trajectory. So there's no there's it doesn't it doesn't encourage people to take risks because if you succeed, yeah. you don't get a benefit. If you fail, you're gonna get social uh, consequences. Yeah. And it's just like and that's that's and it, that, that is is a it's a reflection of the system from the bottom up you know that's that's how it works in schools here too which is that you're not encouraged to think outside the box you're encouraged to get the tests right yeah i guess i do think in the schools it's the students really want to get like those top scores so you'd think in the workplace you'd be wanting it to be a bit competitive like that but it doesn't sound like it's competitive at all (laughs) no not at all um it's it's very much focused on harmony um which you know, also has its benefits. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, the, a positive crazy story from Japan for me mm-hmm. uh, in the work culture was that, um, you know, when something happens to someone or, you know, something like someone in their family passes away or, mm-hmm. or someone gets really sick, immediately everybody bands together and like puts together like all their, you know, whatever money they have. Aww. And like they, they give them like a gift of money or, you know, yeah. fruit baskets or, you know, whatever, the, whatever it is that they have. Like someone, someone in my office, their father, I think, just passed away. Um, and we were all, like, we put together a, a package of money. Um, like, immediately, everyone was like, you know, there's no question. It's like, okay, yeah. let's all band together and, and give. That sense I mean, of community is so nice. <laughs> it's nice, yeah. And that guy's, and to, to, you know, for anyone listening, the guy's dad, I mean, the guy whose father died, he was like almost 60. So the father must have been nearly 100. I think he lived a full life. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, okay, thank God. Thank yeah, God. yeah, yeah. It's, it wasn't like a tragedy. It was just, it was, but it was sort of like everyone's looking out for each other. Yeah. Um, which is nice. Uh, but at the same time, like, I'd like to see a blend 
a little bit more of, you know, some incentive to break the mold and try something new. And um, well, hopefully yeah, think, you, you would hope with the younger generation that's coming in, it's always changing. Hopefully that yeah, one. it gets, I, I've, you know, that's, that's my hope too. Um, mm -hmm. But I will say I've been here working in the company mm -hmm. and I've seen young people come in and I've watched yeah. it get beaten out of them. Because yeah. you see, they, they start to, they start, it, it's always the same. The first year, mm -hmm. these, these, these young people, because, you know, I'm an admin, so mm -hmm. um, any project or anything that's going to, you know, do anything, it's going to come to me, uh, especially if it's international. And um, mm -hmm. <laughs> these people, like, they, they come in with these, like, great ideas, and they want to, they, they want to work really, really hard, and they want to show me, like, hey, we could do this and this and this, and I'm like, yes, this is great, let's do it. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, it either succeeds or it doesn't, and the their managers react the same way either way, which is you know essentially like, okay, let's do the next thing, <laughs> and you know they just don't care; they're indifferent, and and so you yeah. see these 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 young people start to realize like, oh, yeah. it doesn't matter what I do here. It's very I'm societal. Yeah, and it's so sad. Oh. <laughs> it's yeah, so I, well, sad I know in them. in Korea, I felt like my class was like a break for the students because I was always trying to get them to do weird stuff and. I was all really crazy and I could, after a while they'd come out of their shell and they were, they were very creative and strange, which I loved, but then I'd see them in their Korean classes and it was just like totally different students, just like right yeah. back into what, how they are supposed to be. Um, well, to end with, sure. I was going to ask you uh, what you would say to someone that would want to move to Japan to work there, but you just made it sound really depressing. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe well, something positive <laughs> yeah no you know let me let me clarify that you know what i'm trying to highlight there are some of what i'm talking about are traditional japanese companies and i'm highlighting mm -hmm. some of the some of the harsh realities mm -hmm. um you know the 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 positives that go along with that is if you want to join a company you know as a foreigner you're always going to be on the outside um mm -hmm. in, in in a bit yeah. Um, that being said, it's very easy once you join a company here to, you know, you immediately have like basically a group of coworker friends because no. people live in their companies. So, mm -hmm. um, or live through their companies. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, you'll always have somebody to go drinking with or to hang out with and people are going to want to talk to you because you're a foreigner. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's really nice, you know, it can, it can be, you know, I think for some people it can be kind of tiring sometimes. But I think for the most part, it's it's really neat, and people are really yeah. nice, and they, they want to hear from you, and they want to, mm -hmm. you know, talk to you, and and and, and um, you know, ask you things, and, and share their life stories too. It's it's fun, and and um, it's a lot easier to make friends than I think it would be like in in the United States, where people are mm -hmm. a little bit more isolated from work. Um, yeah. And then as a foreigner, most of those things that I described don't apply to you. Most yeah. of the time as a foreigner, you're going to come in as a contract employee, um, mm -hmm. which means that you're outside of that um, permanent employee system. So typically you're given flexibility, um, but you get the benefits of fantastic. sort of the social safety net. Um, you know, health insurance is covered. I mean, even if you don't have a job here, health insurance is basically free. Um, medicine is readily available. Yeah, that's uh, the, the thing about being a foreigner is a lot of negatives don't always apply to you, but you get to <laughs> reap the benefits. Yeah, yeah. No, as horrible it's, as that may sound. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's you know, that we, we just tried to hire a guy from the United States and um, he ultimately rejected it. Um, and, I, and I think it was because the salary was so low. Um, because that's another thing too, is if you're coming over with, if you're coming over as an expat, to like a branch office of a foreign company, mm -hmm. none of this applies, period. Because the foreign okay. company branch offices here operate on an entirely different level. Interesting. If you're coming over as, uh, you know, if you're trying to join like a traditional Japanese company as like an entry level employee, mm -hmm. even as a foreigner, your salary is going to start really, really low. Like you're probably making 22 to 2,500 a month. Wow. Which in Tokyo, I mean, you're barely eating on that. Nice. But because so many people live with their parents, that's just sort of assumed to be okay. Ah. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, and if you're a woman, of course, there's a whole there's a whole other subset that we could talk about for a long time, which is uh, I, I I used to say it was like it was like Mad Men in my office, um, which is that not 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 my office as much, but I've definitely seen it in other departments where mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 rough uh, if you if you want to be taken seriously as uh, like a woman with a career. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a challenge. Um, we won't say it's gone that far in the States either, I'll say. It's yeah. still a struggle. <laughs> well, I think, well, so I'll give you an example. <laughs> well, my, my wife, uh, I forget what it was she was doing. You know, she, she, she asked to, to join some project or something, and her boss mm-hmm. said, well, that's man's work. Oh, geez. And that's, like, fine to say. <sighs> and I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, I want to meet your boss. Like, let me... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let me go talk yeah. to this guy. <laughs> and she she nixed that because I think she knew that it was not gonna be a good night. No. <laughs> no. Um but but yeah, it's it's you know, there are challenges. Um, but I think if yeah, I guess what I would say is if you are a white male, um sky's the limit in Tokyo. Anywhere in the world, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and uh you're a minority hire, you know. I, I get I got oh I got God. featured as a minority hire. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Um, I was on TV. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've just decided that the title of this podcast is going to be Ian Jones, Minority Hire. <laughs> um, if yeah, you no, made it's... it to the end of this podcast, good job. <laughs> We've talked for a while. We can keep going, but it probably oh, I'm has so reached sorry. its end. I mean, come on, Ian. I didn't bring you on here to talk. <laughs> yeah, apologies. <laughs> but uh, thank you for yeah. coming. And I well, and just yeah. In in closing, I would say it is it is a very a lovely, lovely place to live and um, mm-hmm. and to work. Um, you know, aside from some of the the warnings I'm giving you, but mm-hmm. yeah, it can well, be, there's some realities to think about. Yeah, everyone has their a, dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't really wait nice to life. visit. Yeah. Oh, visiting. Okay, now that I th- I I stand by this. I think it's the best place to, to vacation in the world. Man. Because it's so, it's for America. It's, it's too late in the podcast to go into it's, Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> okay, next, right. next time. Next, next time. time. <laughs> Visiting Japan. Part two, okay. Minority Hire, The Adventures yeah. of Ian Jones. <laughs>